Hello there, folks. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. And after all the build-up we've done around here of the USGP, it's finally time for the preview. And there's so much good stuff coming on the way. We have to speak about the weekend, about the penalties, about Verstappen and Hamilton. Finally, a chance to see the battle without any shenanigans in the way. Hopefully, that is. Which version of Valtteri Bottas comes into race this weekend? What will the NBA stars be like when they, of course, coach the Formula 1 drivers in the basketball game that they're going to have? Not, not a game per se, but a shooting contest. You know what I mean. But also, more on Circuit of the Americas. Why is this circuit such a good one, usually, for some really good racing? All of this and more on this special episode of the USGP Preview on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. Welcome back in, folks. Welcome to Pitch the Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast. So glad to have all of you listening and watching this episode. We've had all the build-up. We've spoken about our, our favorite US races from back in the day. We've had a word with Mr. Bob Varsh, and we shall discuss that episode in a second. But first, I have to introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Kunal Shah. Uh, it's been a while since I've called you Mr. Kunal, but still, he is the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, now working as a motorsport consultant for the VS Sport Network and, and their global broadcasts of Formula One. Just tremendous stuff, uh, tremendous stuff that Kunal does on a weekly and a daily basis. So Kunal, US finally back in. It's been, what, two years? And it was so good to have Bob Varsha, the legendary American broadcaster, the voice of Formula One in the USA, just lay down context of what... Formula One actually means in the US. And it was such an amazing episode to record with him. It was. So thank you very much for that fantastic introduction, Samuel. You just, uh, you know, you, you're literally progressing with each time, adding more and more adjectives to my name while never t- saying anything about yourself. But ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce my fantastic co-host, a young 17, almost 18-year-old uh, boy, uh, Literally, he's he is that young. I I swear I've checked, but yeah, he doesn't ever <laughs> sound it. His his history and knowledge of the sport is unparalleled, and of course, he at that young age, or at least when he was you know fifteen and sixteen, hosted a web series on mm. motorsport called the Driving Force, which is available on Disney Plus and Hotstar. Yeah. But yes, from one budding broadcaster talking to a legendary veteran broadcaster. We had Bob Varsha on the episode. I'm sure a lot of you listeners have already heard him in. It's a part of our special programming for the United States Grand Prix, which is a, which is this weekend, of course. And uh, for everyone who actually listened in, I was so awestruck with Bob's insights and anecdotes and just the way he presented Formula One and how he's yeah. literally experienced it over almost 40 years. I literally spoke for 46 seconds, no reference to Valentino Rossi, but yes, 46 (laughs) seconds in the one hour long episode. I kid you not, go back and hear him out. And if that's not a reason enough, uh, maybe Samuel, you and I should give them a reason enough. What was your highlight? One highlight, come on, from Bob's episode. It wasn't you speaking less. That's a reason for me to tune in, even though I'm the one recording with you. I still go back and listen. Hey, I'm a fan. But still, point is, when he conveyed that America's love-hate relationship of Formula One, and he conveyed how that came about, and rather why it took longer for the US to get onto the F1 map properly, 
And I mean, it was there, there in Boston. There were so many efforts, USGP West, there was Phoenix, there was Dallas, and so on and so forth. But the way he conveyed that actually broadcasts being on TV made the matters worse was very interesting because he had a point saying that the races were so late at night, uh, literally 0.30 is the term he used, that it often never really competed with the likes of IndyCar and NASCAR, and you really have to seek it out. And that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the insights he gave. And what, what was your favorite one, Kunal, from that? Because I get a feeling there were a few of those. There were more than a few, yeah. And uh, if I have to pick one, I'll pick one which is recently doing the rumors. You know, uh-huh. Cotton Herta waiting to see how the Andretti Sauber deal goes and if he makes a switch from IndyCar to Formula mm. One. And, you know, we're all wondering, yeah, it's going to happen. You know, American bred driver into uh, a European, you know, run series, however you sort of see it, right? It's racing on either side of the pond, as we keep saying, right? And to me, is he ready for it? What are the challenges he'll go through? What is it that he can actually do in his preparation? And I loved Bob's uh, insights on that, you know, and uh, frankly, what Bob said, you know, that Colton should do what Alan Prost did for his Formula One debut was a brilliant insight for me. And guys, I can't explain it as well as Bob did. So literally just go back and hear that episode. But Samuel, what you have explained is what you actually learned from Bob. But what was your one highlight, if I may ask you that? USF1 team. Uh, I was literally seven years old when the news of the USF1 team came about. I was really excited because there was a possibility that maybe, you know, Karun Chando could be in one of the four new teams, three new teams coming in for 2010. Could have been four, by the way. And Bob explained why it wasn't four, why the USF1 team didn't come about. And the the fun fact is he was there the whole time. He, He had shot a few videos, which you can actually check after this episode ends, by the way, just demonstrating the USF1 factory, meeting the people out there. And he just posed an amazing question. What if that team had gone ahead? What if the team had properly paid their bills, which was eventually the issue that they encountered? And he's also explained what sort of technology they were developing in. And it really was exciting stuff. And you wonder, has that technology made its way into F1 today? What what sort of team could that have been? I, I still wonder. Uh, 2010... Well, let's just say they seem like the most promising of the lot. If only they had their accounting work done. And that's not my words, that's Bob's words. And so you get an idea of how good of an episode that was on an objective scale. But hey, once you're done with that episode, you will actually just feel that, wow, this race weekend feels a little bit more. There is a genuine history. There is a genuine connect. And I suppose, Kunal, this just might be the most most popular Formula 1 has to be in the US heading into a race weekend. Because what have we got 300,000 fans coming in this time out. It's a it's a ridiculous number. Just like compensating for the last year that we didn't have. Yeah, exactly. It depends also who you ask. If you ask the guys at Kota and girls at Kota, I'm just referencing to guys yeah. as a common term, guys, right? Uh, they will say 360,000 fans. And apparently, there was some research that said that fans spend up to $1,500 oh. over the weekend of the American Grand Prix. So there is, of course, a massive commercial impact as well. But the, let's, let's sort of move on about the, the race preview that we do. What is it that we're looking forward to this weekend? And uh, let's remember, guys, it's uh, Liberty Media's home race uh, as well. They are an American yeah. uh, uh, corporate giant, as we know. It's their home race. Uh, Formula One recently announced the the, the promotional and content tie-up with uh, 
the NBA, which I thought yeah. was extremely awesome. And, you know, Liberty Media are marketing geniuses. And to me, this is another, you know, genius uh, trick out of their hat, Somil, because, uh, you know, all the sort of cross-publicity they can get to reach out to as many more American audiences is fantastic. And uh, and Bob Walter mentioned why the US has such a big price for Formula One, hence why they're tying up with the NBA first and not say a league like the Premier League. But the crossover potential that they've got, and first up, they're going to have that basketball competition, I think early on in the weekend. And watch out for Ferrari, because it, there's been a video doing the rounds of Matia Binotto playing basketball and apparently Canal. He's quite good at it, but he's not the only person who will be shooting his shots. It'll be Lewis Hamilton right there because now he's rid of the penalty. Now things have just been lifted off from his shoulder. Now we can focus on a Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton fight free from any uh, legal, or I wouldn't call it legal, but sort of regulation-based shenanigans. Now it's just driver versus driver. And you get a feeling that this final stretch is going to be one of the most exciting ends to an F1 season. It may sound like a cliche thing that every podcaster must say, but how else do you put it, right? It is what it is. It is what it is. And before we move on to that, I'm going to make a wild, I'm going to make two wild guesses. Go for okay. it. This is all down to NBA and Formula One. They've done a partnership for content and promotion. So we are making some content around it, right? <laughs> and of course, this is in lighter note. But I get a feeling, you know, I, from, from what Formula One has divulged so far, they're going to be the NBA legends who are going to train mm. the Formula One drivers in this shootout competition that's going to be there. And I get the feeling Ferrari might just nominate Matteo Benotto to stand in for one of their drivers, <laughs> given just how precise he, you know, he was in that social media video that went viral in, in terms of his striking, if that's the word I may use. So that's one prediction. And the second is, again, for all our listeners in Japan, no hard feelings, but I am waiting for that, you know, the tallest NBA player along with the shortest Formula One driver oh, on the okay. grid, Yuki Sonoda. I'm waiting for that picture. Somebody is going to put that picture out. Mind you guys, I'm, I'm telling you, mark my words. Oh, man. Now that you've said it, it, it it's quite, it, it, it makes a world of difference. It, it really does. It, but yeah, Yuki is fast, right? That's what matters. Well... I've just said a wrong thing, haven't I? Yuki is fast, but he's not quite able to make much of it happen. But hey, more on that later on. When we get to Alpha Tauri, that's the point. They'll be running a special livery, by the way, just like Red Bull Racing, uh, sporting an Acura badge instead of Honda. Like, they've got to do it, right? It's the American market. You, you promote the brand that's the most relevant to the audience, and that is Acura. Although it's hard to see much of it when you're really sitting in the grandstands, but hey-ho, whatever. That, that's the thing. But there could be a chance that one of those cars could be on the top step canal because Max now is a jingle of intrigue. You don't even know which circuit is a Red Bull circuit, which circuit is a Mercedes circuit. And that's what's making this season so exciting. The fact that you genuinely can't pick out who's got the advantage because what, what would you do? Historically, go back to 2019, two years ago when so much has changed? Don't think you can. And that's, that's amazing to do. Yeah, you can't. And, you know, my mind is literally going down one road, which is, Will Red Bull be competitive mm. at the United States Grand Prix? Literally, that's the question. Because if you were to take the data over the last, you know, three, four, five races, especially Turkey, they had a gap that they never knew 
probably existed between themselves and Mercedes. And then, of course, it came into light that Adrian Newey had a cycle crash, a bicycle crash, and then he was out of action. But now he's back in some capacity. He's found out the setup issues they had in Turkey. So hopefully that's good signs for Formula 1, Max Verstappen, Red Bull Racing, everybody else who wants a battle between the the two generational uh, talents that we have. So I really hope that they have found pace and they they will be on the pace. I don't care who wins, like I keep saying, as long as there's a battle, uh, you know, in the end. And so that's the key question. Does Red Bull really have the pace or has Mercedes found that trick after their, you know, massive upgrade they brought in Silverstone? And remember, Silverstone was back in like June, July. And we are now, you know, we are now just knocking on the doors of November. And they have extracted, they have kept optimizing their package to a level where Red Bull have, of course, been flummoxed. You know, they've been like, what on earth? We can't match their straight line speeds, even with lower wing levels. And then Mark Hughes, you know, one of my favorite readers or writers, uh, you know, on Formula One, he's done a very good explanation of one of the tricks that Mercedes could be using to sort of get that kind of speed advantage. And of course, by trick, I don't mean it's an illegal trick. I'm just saying one of those setup tricks that they've probably sort of found. And I'm actually going to link to that in the in the description of this episode for those of you who want to take a technical dive into what I'm talking about. Hands up, that would be me, first person. But it's crazy, Kunal, isn't it? That when we had the Austrian GP early in the year, Oh, that's a while ago, seriously. But when we had that race, it seemed like Mercedes were properly down and out. It seemed like Red Bull would dominate everything. Then Silverstone happened, and then it seemed like, yeah, they found a bit of competitive momentum. And then you you can't tell, because in, at Zandvoort, Red Bull were phenomenal. They just were, I mean Red Bull, I say Max Verstappen mainly. He, he was the main protagonist of that race. But it's so crazy that suddenly the, the switch has flipped up and all of a sudden Red Bull looked like the slow ones. It's all within eight or nine months that this is happening. It's crazy how a Formula 1 World Championship actually topples around and takes its twists and turns. It, it's just outstanding. And this one, wide open circuit, there's always an opportunity for racing. In the past, it has acted like a title decider as well in 2015. You know the stars, the stars, oh, stars and stripes. The stars and stripes are aligning for what turns out to be a really good race hopefully this weekend. It should and you know, again, I'm going to quote Mark Hughes. He said that if a circuit rewards lap time for, you know, performance based on downforce, it is Red Bull. That's typically the car that's quicker. Uh, and if it's a circuit that sort of gives extra importance on uh, low drag, it's a circuit that favors the Mercedes. That's usually, uh, you know, not the rule of thumb, but that's usually what he has seen happen. And Kota uh, is, of course, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton happy hunting ground. But at the same time, uh, it's also a little more on the high downforce side of things, so to say, right? And uh, to to me, it's going to be interesting to see how we can sort of, uh, you know, going uh, this weekend. And, you know, before we move on to the next point, Samil, what about Kota? Are you looking forward to the most apart from all the NBA? And again, you know, you will find some A-listing American personalities and yeah. celebrities and Hollywood and the likes as well, but not not just that. Anything about the circuit that sort of stands out for you? Dun, 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 the Verstopper, yeah, that that curve, uh, that curve that we have on the inside of what uh, number was it? 
honestly i'll start a rant about american circuits and their numbering of corners it, it really irritates me but it's the long sweeping right hander the the turn 8 of circuit of the americas not not turn 8 but turkey turn 8 reverse into circuit of the americas it's hard to remember all the numbers right just give them real names like call it the the sweeping right hander or something quite like that but that corner has a really big curb on the inside line that was Oh, inside line, amazing! Uh, a curb on the inside line that stopped Max Verstappen. I mean, it was put in after Verstappen actually sneaked past Kimi Raikkonen and got a penalty, of course, and eventually was demoted off the podium. But that curb canal can be a really tricky one. Now, this year we have seen racing in in the last couple of years. We didn't quite see cars go side by side a lot, but this year we have seen that. Now, whether it's down to the downforce, whether it's down to the cars, whatever, but the competition is closer. There could be a chance of someone actually going side by side, and that curb is so huge. and it still exists it's a worrying sight plus the bumpiness of the surface as well apparently has been one thing that's been doing the rounds i agree you know the bumps is definitely something the drivers will not be looking forward to but that's something that's been spoken about uh, mm. time and again then there's turn 1 you know the classic uh, uphill oh, yes. braking turn left pretty much blinded entry i absolutely love that turn 1 and i can only imagine how it must feel you know when you're sitting that low in a formula 1 car and you're looking up and you're yeah. like oh my god it's going all the way up uh you know up up and there and then of course the you know the high speed uh sector 1 it's like a high speed slalom without all the cones you're literally just going yeah. left right left and and so on so i'm you know i'm looking forward to that and then of course if the now guy uh, or girl is there at the circuit adding some more you know extra audio effects for us as well but Yes, I am also looking forward to see which version of Valtteri Bottas turns up this weekend of the the American Grand Prix Sommel. That's a good point, Gunal. Twenty nineteen, Bottas was your winner, and Turkish GP the last time out Formula One raced, Bottas was your winner. Now you, Gunal, you pointed out a very interesting fact. You said that Bottas has actually scored more points since his Mercedes leaving announcement. than any other driver on the grid he's just found a tremendous run of form but you never know with him right last time out hamilton had a penalty so that's why he was liberated to go out there and do a little bit better if if hamilton is around at the top you get a feeling that he will be clipped a little bit to maybe help support uh, hamilton's cause but there is a genuine chance this carefree version of valtteri bottas is just outstandingly fun and and the fun It's probably a word that was missing from his arsenal for the last year and a half I suppose it's back again. Yeah it is and you know if Hamilton is right around Valtteri Bottas Bottas might not be as free in the land of the free to go ahead and you know control his fate of the Grand Prix weekend but uh you know it's all zeroing down you know six races to go the number 2 drivers delivered on a very solid basis in in Turkey you know unfortunate for Perez that when he actually got under the podium and he blocked Hamilton from getting there Bottas actually went one better than him and then Max Verstappen but it's all adding in all factors are going to start playing out come uh, you know the qualifying this weekend uh, Samuel so let's see what version of you know Checo Perez turns up is it mm-hmm. the racing point force india you know version of Checo Perez or is it the the red bull Checo Perez you know and the red bull one is of course been full of spikes and troughs and you know highs and lows So if uh, if everyone if all four drivers bring bring their A game to to the American Grand Prix I think we're going to have a really awesome race and then not to forget you know the battle between uh McLaren and Ferrari as well 
Yeah, it's a big if though. It's a big if. We, we've been hoping for that the entire year. It's not happened so far. I hope this is the chance where we get to see something like that. Last six years of the year, right? Just go for it. Have some fun. But it's, of course, mainly in an effort to try and make sure that all the other top drivers, Verstappen and Hamilton, do get the most support. And that's what Sergio Perez's role has been so far this year. But you rightly mentioned, Gunal, with, with McLaren and Ferrari, it's an amazing battle. It's crazy how, just like Red Bull and Mercedes, the momentum is also swinging wildly. And suddenly Ferrari just have all the support behind them after a McLaren tidal wave of sorts in Monza and the race after that. It's just amazing to see how this championship is taking shape. And the best part for Ferrari is, not only do they have a really good team principal who can actually shoot his shots, they also have two really quick drivers who are constantly putting out the best races that they can as drivers. And, and that is a very encouraging sign that McLaren would feel slightly worried about in, in what is genuinely a critical market for both of them. It is. It's actually, you know, uh, a critical market for both uh, the the iconic brands, I would say. And uh, to just add some more reference or context to this, uh, I think Ricardo in McLaren and Charles Leclerc in Ferrari are the two drivers under even more pressure than, uh, you know, their teammates. Because clearly, I don't need to explain why, but the, the most outstanding fact for me, and this is just down to numbers, is that after you know, 16 rounds that we've had. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. is half a point ahead of Charles Leclerc. And, you know, at the start of the season, if you would have spoken to anyone, you would have, you know, most people would have been like, yeah, Ricardo's going to be another level of an animal for, you know, Lando Norris to, yeah. to tame. You know, Carlos Sainz was probably not as quick in McLaren and whatever. They'd have given some theory. I would have probably done that. And similarly for, you know, Ferrari as well, people would have been like, yeah, yeah, Charles Leclerc is going to prove why he's hmm. clearly number one and why he was chosen over Sebastian Vettel and so on. And here we see Carlos Sainz Jr. driving fantastic mature races. And a lot of, you know, Carlos Sainz's racecraft reminds me of Fernando Alonso from uh, from the, the from his younger days as well. And of course, I don't necessarily mean, uh, you know, Alonso back when, when, when with Renault when he was just out and out wanting to to win. But, you know, Alonso in through the McLaren and now even the, 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 the Alpine days as well, you know, consistent, very mature, staying in there, making the most of his opportunities and just maximizing points potential when you know that all you can do is score maximum points, but not literally go for the maximum points. And fiddling with the rules. It's like Fernando yeah. Alonso in a wrestling term did a heel turn after Austria when he realized that, well, world is against me, might as well become a villain at this time and try and test all the laws. So he did what he did in Russia. He's been doing what he's doing in Turkey as well. Uh, it's just Fernando Alonso, right? But you're right about that. Luck should potentially and hopefully be on his side because if it is, imagine what a tasty prospect that could be like. Alonso, Gasly in that midfield as well, who's also uh, needing a bit of luck at that same point of time. You, you can't count McLaren and Ferrari in the same fight, but with Alonso, he always pushes them. But even Aston Martin, right? It, that could be a, a really sweet-looking midfield battle, Kunal. But finally, before we go off, What's the one thing you're actually looking forward to, apart from all these things that we mentioned right there? Any final thoughts? I am actually looking forward to a bit of pre-race entertainment, you know, mm. uh, that the organizers at Kota would have sort of put in there. Uh, because I remember, you know, the, there was, I think it was the first race when 
they invited all or introduced all the drivers in 18. the boxing uh, yeah. in in yeah in, in some year there you go you remember it right yeah. uh, so is there something special at plant something more american in the way they do things they had the stetsons and they've had various levels of things that are there so that's something i'm you know looking forward to and for everyone who thinks oh my god that's so lame for being mm. a formula 1 podcaster the one thing you're looking forward to is the non formula 1 things about it no if there was something about the race i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing if fernando alonso's lady luck is going to be with him for the race in america because i think the last couple of races maybe a little more uh he's been there been there there and abouts and like i can't uh, you know imagine how turkey could have been a little more different if fernando would have mm. stayed in the top 5 and not having you know spun himself out and and so on so that's something i'm looking to you mentioned alpha tauri pierre gasly's best score here has been p12 so what happens to him yeah. as well so he needs a change of luck and then sebastian fettel has not scored since pa this year and that's i don't even know how many races back so lots of drivers needing to maximize opportunities but more than that literally have their lady luck uh you know riding along with them at the race this weekend I'm going to crack a very bad joke or oh, to wrap off but hopefully their luck will say I go to America like the movie Borat. Yeah. Sorry, bad note to end on. But you get the idea, right? This weekend is exciting. This weekend is fun and we're going to do a lot more coverage on the Inside Line F1 podcast and pitch the podium hopefully with better jokes. That's a that's a knock on myself. But folks, I I hope you had a good time listening to this episode and watching this episode if you're watching on YouTube of course. Do check out our race review as it comes out on uh Monday morning basically all over the world or maybe late Sunday evening if you're in the US. So don't forget to do that. We shall see you right there. But enjoy the weekend folks. Have fun and enjoy the entertainment on and off the track this time out. See you. Bye bye. Thank you.